Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Too Legit. My name is Anna, a.k.a. Anna Mission. And my name is Kelsey Jandok. I go by KJ, a.k.a. Cage the Doer. Yes, this is a podcast for non-traditional law students with non-traditional backgrounds. If you have heard our last few episodes, you know that I was formerly a registered nurse. And I am a former flight attendant and currently still a serial entrepreneur. So today we have the privilege of speaking to a, an attorney as well who, well not as well, an attorney who left the pre, uh, corporate field to assist pre-law and law students in their financial journey. Please welcome Miss Jolene Blackburn. Say hi. Hi, Jolene. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate you speaking on this episode. It's it's one thing to like speak with like a financial advisor or uh, even a, a counselor, but someone who's actually an attorney who's been through law gone school, through gone through it, is so much mm-hmm. more valuable. You you know you want to be able to see someone who actually did or knows what you're going through. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> Yeah, not a problem. That's exactly why I'm here. Just trying to help as many people as possible avoid some of the pitfalls I went through. Ooh, right. Talk Thank about you. those pitfalls, please. <laughs> yeah. While, while we are uh, one and a half years into our education, um, I know that this topic can be useful just not only for two L's, but for one L's, for people thinking about going to law school, because one of the major hurdles to attending or going to or staying in the law school is finances. Mm-hmm. So before we get to, you know, the heart of our topic. Let's just get a big background and get to know you a little bit better. So I already said your name, but where are you from originally and what did you do? I am uh, from LA. My family's been here actually for generations, so definitely from LA. And I went to law school here in LA as well and graduated almost 20 years ago. (laughs) So um, I also graduated, like a lot of people this year, during a bad economy. I graduated actually right after September 11th. Wow. And for the next several years, people were laying off and um, the government had a five-year hiring freeze. Ooh. So I definitely know what it's like to try to get a job in a tough market. Right. I know what it's like when the competition is fierce and you've got loans to repay and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and I have a feeling that you know, the pandemic is going to have repercussions for several years here. So right. um, even if you're not graduating this year, it's it could still have an effect. So um, I felt like when I graduated, no one told me, they told me to take out all these loans. No one told me don't take out these loans, that there might be alternatives or better ways of doing things. Right. And then on top of that, no one told me you might graduate during a really bad time. <laughs> you know? right. Right. Wow. Yeah. And what to do with that. So I try to help people avoid that situation altogether because really you can't predict a pandemic. You can't predict September 11th. So mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. get you out of law school with less debt. And that way, no matter what happens, you're in a better situation. And so, yeah, so a lot of this relates back to my story and, you know, all the struggles I went through, you know, trying to buy a house in the LA environment and, mm-hmm. you know, raising kids and just, you know, medical bills and, you know, just things that you don't expect, but they are, yeah. they're part of life. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Awesome. And I love that you, you are smiling this whole time. So that gives me like hope and optimism <laughs> that it's going to be okay. It's going to be like okay. tears coming down my face. Like, hey, that's where, that's where. <laughs> yes. I'm like, if I keep now. smiling, it will be okay. <laughs> it'll be okay. <laughs> Wow, that's, yes, that's truly, truly inspiring, <laughs> especially for uh, uh, people who, graduate, like you said, have graduated this year and are anticipating graduating the following year. There's a lot of uncertainty. So, um, yeah, this definitely is a topic that needs to be discussed. And um, can you tell me what made you want to go to law school prior to everything? Yeah, so I think what happened to me, and it happens to a lot of people, is, you know, I was interested in law in a vague sense. Mm -hmm. I was really into politics. So I thought, you know, most politicians are lawyers. Even if I don't go into politics, I'll have a set career path. You know, if I go to grad school, what's my career path? Mm -hmm. So sounded kind of good. Just thought I would do it. I really did want higher education. I just... 
and I wanted a path. And I think that that's a kind of a mistake a lot of people make. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've had a good career. I've enjoyed my career, but you know, I've paid a lot of money for it. And Mm -hmm. I, now that I think about it, I could have taken, I took two years off, but I could have taken more time off to really explore life and see if there was something else I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of people just go straight through not knowing exactly what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of me. I, I really liked environmental issues. So I thought, well, maybe I'll do environmental law. So I had some thoughts, but um, no real like exact drive to be that lawyer, be the big lawyer or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to know that when you're really young and you only take a couple years off anyway, you know? So yeah, yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but what made you, okay. And the other question I have for you is what made you want to help law school students uh, now after being an attorney? It's funny. I actually just took a personality test Mm -hmm. and it says you are a mentor. Wow. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Um, So yeah, I actually, when I was in law school was already advising law students and pre-law students. I actually, my second year ran my law fraternity, Phi Alpha Delta. Mm-hmm. And I, I really got close to my members and they started confiding in me and I started getting all their different stories and I saw patterns mm-hmm. and I started applying those patterns to other students and giving them advice on how things were playing out for people, maybe things they shouldn't do. Um, and then my law fraternity had me speak to some pre-law groups. Um, and so I was helping them. And so it never really stopped. And so as a lawyer, I often would speak for pre-law chapters and Mm -hmm. um, even in the corporation, I was always the mentor. Like if there was a new person coming on board, I would sign up. I'll be their mentor. And, you know, so I had, I think, more mentees than any other attorney in the office. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved it. And I actually, you know, I was asked to be part of management, but I knew that wasn't, you know, that hiring, firing wasn't part of me. Right. I like the mentoring, not the firing and disciplinary action. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Totally different stuff, you know? So, but I asked them, is there a management type position where I could just be a mentor? And there wasn't. And so... You know, I was always a little bummed about that because it really was on top of my legal career. It was just extra time I was putting in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually created an onboard manual. I mean, I just always was wow. a mentor. So, yes, I was one of the attorneys who always was like, hey, I'm going to trial. Who wants to sit in and watch? Right, right, you know? right. That's and a lot of the attorneys cool. are like, yeah, they're like, I don't want you to see me making mistakes or you know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, no, you can watch me make some mistakes. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so I always just, you know, had that in me. And then um, I always kind of wanted to take this full time. And last year, finally, that opportunity made itself present. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I think it's awesome, like how you kind of like had an inkling that this was kind of your personality set to begin with. And why not hone in on it at something you like to do and something you're, you've always been good at. So, yeah, good it's for kind you. Of funny. It's funny how like things develop because you don't see these patterns until you're kind of at a new point Impact, in your yeah. life, you know, and then you're like, oh, look, it was always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so um, let's get into the heart of this topic, which is finances. Um, one question that I have for you, Jolene, especially as a student now, um, I guess, what are all the options out there? And do you, I mean, when you were in school and then now, what are you seeing in terms of financing? Options. Yeah, what are the options that are out there that not many students would know would they could utilize to fund their education? Okay, so actually, yeah, yeah, so I try to avoid advising regarding scholarships because I feel like that has a poor return on investment. Mm -hmm. You know, if a school's throwing money at you, that's great. But otherwise, you're spending hours upon hours applying Mm -hmm. and, you know, you never know if you're going to get any of them. Mm -hmm. So and if you're an average student, you know, with an average income, so you're not need based and you're not merit based, it's just it's really rough. Mm -hmm. So I try to help people focus their time and effort on other avenues. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, right? Like something we can all do. It doesn't matter. You can still apply for scholarships. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying let's look around. Right. So one thing that you can do, and um, I, I just actually came across this blog today. So 
this is, I'm always looking for new things, right? Mm -hmm. So some companies pay for your college, you know, just like the army reserves, right? right? So you commit to one weekend a month and two weeks a year. Well, you know, not everyone wants to be an army reservist. So mm. there are companies that will pay for a portion or even all of your college or your law school. And I actually, I'm going to be posting that soon because that is, it was a great blog article I came across, but this is the kind of creative thinking that I try to help people with. Mm -hmm. So things like, um, for example, you guys both took gap years. Years. So if students take that with focus of, I intend to go to law school, right? Mm -hmm. They can potentially save money. They can either move home or if they can't move home, they can really watch their budget and save up some of that money. Mm -hmm. So the numbers I use now, these are internet numbers. Obviously, everybody's situation is different. Mm -hmm. But in 2019, the average college graduate income was $50,000. Now, again, if you can live at home or super save, this isn't going to happen in New York City or LA probably, but you can save half your income. And that is something I did in between wow. college and law school. Mm. So again, you got to make it work. You got to figure out your numbers, but it is possible if you're living at home or super cost saving, even if you save less, that's fine, but we're going to use these numbers for a moment. So $25,000 that you are saving per year. Mm -hmm. If you go to a law school that costs $50,000 in tuition and you have no scholarships, which the average is actually about 43,000 in tuition per year. So You've got your 50000 You could pay for a year of law school after two years off. So if mm -hmm. you could pay cash, first of all, a lot of students after their first year start to doubt that they're on the right path. Right. They wonder, do I belong here? I'm not enjoying this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to be a lawyer anymore. Right. Well, it's hard enough to walk away when you're in debt. But if you make it a little easier on yourself, if you're not in debt, if you paid cash, it's still a hard decision, but you can walk away. It's mm -hmm. not how you want to spend your 50 grand, but you know, yeah. it's an option. Taking down that, let's say $150,000 in debt down to just a hundred, it's still a lot, mm -hmm. right. but that's just with two years off. If you took four years off, you could pay for two years cash. So there's a lot of ways you can play with the numbers. And again, everyone's numbers are different, right, but right. If that's your focus, if that's, I want to go to law school and I want to be in as little debt as possible, it, it's been done. Um, you can definitely listen. There are podcasts out there that talk about paying cash for everything. And there are people on that program who talk about how they've done this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, regardless, even if you save up some money and just lower that debt level, you'll be happier in the end. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's one tip I have for college students who haven't you know, gone to law school yet. Okay. Okay. For law students, let's get a tip. Let's see. Which one do I want to do? <laughs> All right. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I have okay. an entire course on this. So oh. it's there's a lot of tips. And it's really, it's frustrating because people, um, they think they have to follow a pattern. And you don't. Mm -hmm. So just like they think you have to go straight through law school or you might lose your momentum or your motivation or whatever, they also think, okay, so I go to law school after I take my required courses in my first year, mm -hmm. then I must get a nice internship so that second year I can have the perfect internship that will get me a job offer. Right. Right. That's mm -hmm. the way we do it. Mm -hmm. And you might have an externship in the middle of your second or third year, but that's it. It's just really, you know, stay true to the course here. Mm -hmm. Nobody's allowed to take a toe step out of line. We all right. stick together. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's frustrating. I actually fought the system a hundred percent. I did, if they said do A, I did B. I literally would not do anything they told me to do. I did meet with my law school counselor every year just to make sure I was taking the classes I needed to, to graduate and stuff. Right. But I didn't want to take wills and trust because I thought it was boring. And she's like, but that's two subjects on the bar. You have to take it. Mm -hmm. said, no, it, it's an elective. At our school, it was an elective, not all schools. Oh, wow. but yeah. And so I said, no. I, yeah. I was like, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> and she was like practically on her knees. You're killing me. Take the class. And, you know, I did, I peer pressure, I, I did take that class and actually I entered that class. So it was, it was good that I took it. Oh, nice. And, um, and actually I went into estate planning right after law school because I loved it so much. So it was good that I did that. But <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. 
just weird twist of fate. I'm, I have to be contradictory no matter what. But, <laughs> but I totally did the opposite of everything they told me to with my summers. I still got the jobs and I've figured out a way that it can also save people money. Nice. So here's what I did with my summers. First summer, I was so burned out that I didn't want anything to do with law. Mm-hmm. So we had a elementary school near our school that was impacted. And just like working in the school library, you could get paid a few bucks an hour to help there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did all summer. I worked I, and I didn't even do it full time. I did it Tuesday through Friday, eight to three. I played around with fourth graders all day. I played connect four and handball yeah. and tetherball. I had a great summer. <laughs> and, but what I did is on the side, I called my local Sierra club. And I asked if I could do a little research for them. Oh, nice. And so I put in a few hours a week and gave them my Lexus research. Mm -hmm. And for my resume, it says summer of that year, I worked for the Sierra Club. Nice. No no one needs to know I only worked a few hours a week, um, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was a great summer. Loved it. I was totally refreshed to go back in my second year. Right. Now, second summer... I got actually my dream internship at an environmental nonprofit. So I was super happy. And then I suddenly got the bug to go abroad. Wow. And you know, they tell you to do it first summer, not second summer, but I again have to be contradictory. contradictory. So. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I was like, well, what do I do? Well, well, we don't have to worry some... about us doing that this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so what I did was I found a summer school that was at the very end of summer. And then my internship said, we just want an eight week commitment. And so if I worked from the day after my last final until literally the day before I flew out of the country, it was exactly eight weeks. Wow. And so I worked eight weeks and then I did abroad. So I did it all. And then again, my resume just says summer. So they don't have to know I only worked two months. Mm -hmm. Summer of that year, I worked for this nonprofit. And so I got everything I wanted. And then on top of that, I got these extra units, which made my school year a little easier the next year. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered is that if students play around with their schedule, so, I mean, you can totally flip your whole school experience upside down and make it better and more affordable and just more stress-free. Nice. So that is something for law students. Now, obviously, if you're in the middle of your program, yeah, it gets a little harder to implement some of these techniques. Mm -hmm. But there are still classes that are that tend to be easier. You just need to find them. And then there's also a lot of schools have a writing requirement, not the first year learn how to legal write, but like an actual like you where you write like a almost like a thesis. And I found those courses to be easier as well because you don't have a final. So you can plan it out and you can even get it done before finals week so that you don't have that thing hovering over you during your finals week. Right. Exactly. So again, if you've got like, like I said, some extra units from summer school and then you've got, you know, this writing course, you're going to have less and less finals. So you'll have less and less stress. Right. So there are definitely things to research at your school. And I would recommend you meet with your school counselor to find out which courses may have less of a curve or no final or anything that's alternative that might work for you. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, okay. Tips for those who have graduated. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. And you don't, honestly, you know, and I've Googled this too. I mean, I have my own ideas that come from myself, but I have Googled this left and right. And what you'll find when you say how to save money in law school is don't eat out. Mm. And it's like, that is insulting. I am sorry, but I am $200,000 in debt. I don't have time to cook. I'm sorry. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, do they think we're eating steak dinners every day? I mean, what? Lobster tail. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry, but the amount I'm spending on my pizza is not like anywhere going to be close to the 200,000 I just spent. Right. So it's just, it's like telling me to make sure I pick up every penny off the floor. I mean, come on. Right. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Or they tell me refinance my loans and like, or, or defer if I need to. And I'm like, Oh, that's bad advice because you're adding extra interest in there. But Okay. So the advice out there, it just sucks. (laughs) It just sucks. I mean, it's legit. Don't eat out every night. Okay, great. But it sucks. 
um, for students um, that have graduated or are close to graduation, and this actually applies to college students. This tip applies to everybody, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's the best tip I have for those who have graduated too. Um, I have become affiliated. I found a company like my own that tries to help students with finances. Mm -hmm. And it came from their own story of these two um, MBA graduates that suddenly found themselves in debt and they weren't too happy. And mm -hmm. so what they did is they collected a bunch of other students in the same boat and they negotiated better rates in bulk. And just like anything else that you buy in bulk, you get a better deal. Mm -hmm. And so they at, ended up saving about $15,000 each off their loans. Wow. So they formed a company and they do that for students now. So yeah, I'll give you the link for them. Yeah, I'll yeah, share that with you guys because wow. it is, um, they're just amazing. And they, so what they do is they get a little info from you. Um, nothing too even personal, really. It's like your name, your email, your general credit score. Just are you around 700, 600? Where are you? Mm -hmm. And what you're doing. Are you in law school, undergrad? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Are you looking to refi? And then they put you in a bucket and that bucket is all similar people. And then they go and negotiate loans. And so if you're about to take out a loan, so right now we're in the middle of the school year, mm -hmm. but if you're taking out a loan for next year, mm -hmm. they'll put you in that bucket and they'll negotiate a rate. And then they'll come back and they'll say, okay, here's what we got. And you can say yes or no. There's no commitment and there's no cost. Wow. Even after you take the loan, there's no cost. The lenders pay them for referring your business. So okay. you don't ever pay a cent to them. So it's absolutely free, no commitment. But what they do is typically at the graduate level, they save people 1% to 2% interest, even over your Stafford loans. Wow. Yes. And they don't have origination fees. So yeah, it's really good. They do and have really origination good. fees? Yes. Wow. So you can go back wow. to them every single year and you can get a better deal most of the time over your Stafford loans or even if you went to the same lending company for the private loans. That's okay. a great concept. So, yeah. 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 And then they also do refis. So, and that's like what they did. They did their refis okay. that first time. So that is something they can also help with plus loans for the college students or, um, with respect to the Stafford, they recommend you go ahead and get your Stafford loans if you're an undergrad. But if you do need a private loan, that's where they will help you. Okay. So so that could apply to anyone at any stage. But literally, yeah. you just come back every year, every time you need a loan. And again, every single time, it's no commitment. It's just, hey, you can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. um, but looking at their reviews, yeah, I'll send you my link. But it's... Um, you can see all the reviews of all the people who have saved, yeah, shockingly over Stafford loans. I thought the government was supposed to take care of us. Nice. <laughs> Shocking, no, they don't. Okay. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, it's so that's another thing I try to do is find all the companies and like let's make a packet here of right. all of us that are doing good in the world, right? Right. I think that's really good, like to like cross collaborate with everybody who's like trying to be on the same page and help other people um, who are in similar situations. So, yeah, yeah, we'll make sure to um, uh, put the link for your company and your because I know you offer uh, financially free courses, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And um, yeah. the company you're talking about as well. That way, yes, I'm going to um, link all this. Can get the, the, mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, my course starts in middle school. <laughs> giving oh, nice. you know, yeah so if middle schoolers are interested in law school which that happens i yeah. mean there's you know you, every once in a while you've got those five-year-olds or whatever right? Right, right right yeah so i start with how to save money in college in starting in high school and then go all the way through and i break the course up into sections so if you're in law school you're not listening to the high school section right i'm not going to waste your time right mm -hmm. but if you're in high school you listen to all the sections in college you listen to just the ones that are for you mm -hmm. right and and yeah Juno's in there, that company's in there. Cause it's, yeah, there, there's so many different ways that people can save. And it's just, it's, they think they're stuck with their loans or they think that, you know, that there's nothing else they can do that they've right. done everything that they've applied for the scholarships and that's all there is. And especially, like I said, if they don't fall into the need base or the merit base, they're, they're just a good student and, you know, getting by, you know, and it's just, it's horrible. And 
And then again, all these first generation people too, they have no guidance. That was me as well. I mm-hmm. had no guidance. In fact, I had bad guidance. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, my mom went back to college and my dad did go to college, but I, I don't know what they were doing. They gave me bad advice. You know? <laughs> so they just, I didn't know what they were doing. So I thought they knew what they were talking about and I followed along. But, yeah. um, but you know, when it came to law school, they totally were in the dark, especially. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've pulled up some statistics just to really drive home how important this is to people. In 1985, the law school tuition was about, let's see, it was, I think, $4,000 a year. But by 2012, it was up at, you know, for in-state, $23,000, right? But inflation only, it just barely more than doubled. So really, it should have been more like $8,000, not $23,000, much less the private schools. So what people don't understand. And then the median household income, which includes everyone, not just lawyers, median household income in that time only went up by $2,000. So even if your income would have gone up a lot more, like it's, it's still not matching. Right. right, right. You know, and even currently the college graduate average income, again, this is all per internet statistics is it's just under $51,000, but the average lawyer income, not Okay, the fifty-one thousand was starting salary. Okay, the average lawyer income, not starting salary, is eighty-two thousand dollars. Wow! So you're paying two hundred thousand dollars or so to not actually make any more money to start, really. <laughs> so it's a little scary. Yeah. And and it's completely legitimate as far as I've been able to check out. I have a friend who graduated in two thousand. Three. She started working in 2003 mm-hmm. in LA mm-hmm. in a certain field, making $60,000. Nine years later, in 2012, I have another friend, same field, same city, same salary. What? Nine years later, there was no difference. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I mean, in 2003, we were still in a recession from 2001. Mm-hmm. But in 2012, I mean, we should have been recovered from the 2008 fiasco. So, you know, for the most part. So, I mean, really, even if you count the down, it, it, it should have been back up further. And so, yeah, it's the lawyers are not getting what they should in income compared to their debt. So they need to get rid of the debt. They need to avoid the debt and they need to figure a way around it and I just don't think for most people, the scholarships are cutting it. We need to get more creative. So be creative in how we approach our internships. You know, you're not going to get an unpaid internship usually during the school year. You'll get the externship, which is course credit Mm -hmm. or, you know, or you'll get a paid job. So that's where you can up your income overall versus those unpaid summer internships. So yeah, we really need to be more creative and think outside the box and kind of fight for our right to survive here. You know? Right, totally. So, yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways. And yeah, so my course covers a bunch of other ways as well. But also I think what you guys have done where you take the years off and you gain some work experience is especially helpful in this economy, in these economies where everyone's competing for the same jobs. I know that when I worked in corporate, we always liked the people who took a few years off. Mm -hmm. It didn't really matter how many years. It just showed that they had a dedication to a job. Mm -hmm. So if we're worried about how long someone's going to stay with us, if somebody stayed a few years at a job before they went to law school, it shows that they can at least hang out for a few years. Right. right. All right. Um, That brings us to our next question, which is, what is the biggest mistake that you've seen or that you, um, in your career, your experience seeing students making with their financial decisions in law school? I think one, taking out all the loans without at least talking to a financial advisor or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, There, you know, I mean, even if, you know, not everyone can find all the people trying to give advice, right? But you can go to a financial planner. And I think that a lot of times what happens is we graduate from college and we think I am poor. I can't go to a financial coach or a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And I think that before you get further in debt, overwhelmingly in debt, you should talk to somebody. They may not have all these tips and tricks to avoid loans, but they might be able to at least help you 
stay on a certain course, Mm -hmm. you know, and not feel so helpless when you graduate from law school. So I think being afraid to discuss their money with a professional is one of the things I see. And it happens even after law school because they feel so drowned in debt. They feel like no one can help me. I just have to pay my bills. I just, you know, I just need to get by and I can't invest anything right now. So I don't want to be told to save for retirement when I need to at least get this mortgage size payment down. Right. And that's, that's a huge mistake. I mean, financial coaches are there to help you both emotionally as well as financially. Mm. So people should not be afraid of talking to them about your issues. I know when I first graduated from law school, I had a job where I was driving to clients' homes. And so I was afraid of what they would think of my car. Mm. My car died and I needed to buy a new car. So what was I going to buy? And so my choice was, well, I mean, obviously I had a lot of choices, but what I narrowed it down to Mm -hmm. was a brand new Jetta or a used Infiniti. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I would look more like a lawyer if I had this Infinity versus this cute little car. Okay. And so I bought the used Infinity, and it was like I think an extra thirty thousand, if I'm remembering correctly. Wow. It was a lot of money. It was way too much money, and it was a totally stupid purchase. And <laughs> it turned out to also be a lemon on top of that. Oh, no. So oh. it was just bad. It was bad on top of bad, and it was the first like I think real. I mean. In retrospect, I feel like a lot of things I did were mistakes, but they weren't, they were legit things I did, like take all the student loans. You know, I was following advice. So they're not really mistakes, but that was my first real mistake I had ever made where it was just like, this is huge. It's yeah. a lot of money, but I was just thinking, I've worked so hard. I'm going to make it back. I'm going to, you know, it, it just, you know, the clients want to see a professional. And what ended up happening is a lot of my clients were older. And they were the ones from like post-World War II where Mm. they save their money Mm. and they don't buy luxury cars. And, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it was like, oh, okay. And then they saw my car out front. It was like, don't look, don't look. (laughs) It's not really a luxury car. It's, it's, it's it's a middle of the road car. Like it's, it's in between, you know, I was trying to like, so it was horrible. They would have been happier with my Jetta. So, yeah, it's, so just. Yeah, don't be afraid to share your money mistakes because they're there to help you mm-hmm. and get you on the right course so that you can get where you want to go faster. Right. I feel like that's like um like analogous to if you want to get back into shape and you feel like you're so far gone and but you don't want to go to the gym and hire a trainer because you're too embarrassed about maybe the way that you look or um, how out of shape you actually are. But if you invest in something like that, they can get you on the right track to expedite that process to getting you to where you really want to be. Right. You know, it's so true because especially, you know, if you don't work your muscles the right way, you're not going to actually not see effective. the progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't do like the hit technique or whatever, you know, yeah. you may not see the pedge, the pound shut off as fast or whatever, you know, it's just, it's very, you need that help to get the, that shape. Right. And it's right. the same thing, the financial shape. <laughs> yeah. Know? And yeah. like the personalized, um, course of action too. Yeah. Yeah. Since yeah. we it's- all come from different backgrounds and have different priorities and, uh, goals post-grad. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, and there's definitely a difference. I, the old, fashion financial advisors, those are the ones that want you to have money before they talk to you. Mm. And that's where some people, I think, come across those people and get discouraged. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a financial coach is the one that actually helps you with your money mindset and all of that. So there's a difference. Make sure you go to the right person because yeah, if you end up in front of a financial advisor, who's like, well, you don't have enough to invest. I'm not going to talk to you. Mm. You're going to end up back in your little hole again. <laughs> you know, know scared right. of money. The same decisions. <laughs> yes. It's a financial coach. They will hold your hand and help you. Okay. Right. Okay. So we need to look for people exactly like Jolene. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> I do that too. I reach out to financial coaches. I'm like, let's hang out. Let's, right. you know, give speeches together and help people because yeah it's you know i mean i definitely don't do all the investment stuff that they you know how they help you manage your money and overcome 
you know, maybe sayings that your parents gave you that make you afraid of money or afraid of being successful or whatever. Mm-hmm. They help you with that. Yeah. And then yeah, I you can have a champagne that. taste with a beer budget. That's what my mom used to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I like yes. champagne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Or the people with the mimosas, but they only have a drop of champagne in there. <laughs> also amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I digress. Okay. Um, in terms of, and we kind of hit at it but in terms of like repayment options how do you or how did you attack your loans and how do you advise uh you know your students or are they like your students or what do you call them like your clients yeah i call them my students your students how, like, yeah you know, yeah how do you advise them yeah <laughs> yeah um so one thing I did was no matter how bad it got i did not defer my loans and i am so glad i never did that. Mm. So just to go through what happens, if you defer your loans, if you're in a bad situation like COVID, right, you can't find a job. So they're t- now COVID actually, they are deferring the interest as well, but for some loans, not all, but in general, if you defer your loans, yeah, I, I you know, I call just to see and get more info for people. And it turns out people who are further along in their repayment process are not getting the interest waived brand new graduates are getting it, which is great, but it's just like, well, you know, everybody might be in the same boat, you know, right? <laughs> so, exactly. everybody's in the same boat, but, if not worse. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> so you're in the boat over there and you're in the boat over there. Wow. But yes. Yeah, so um, in general, normally if you're in a bad situation and you feel like you need to defer your loans, what happens is they stop your payments, but they don't stop the interest. So if you're paying 5% interest on a couple hundred thousand, it's going to accrue while you're not paying. And if you don't pay for a year and then you're ready to pay again, mm-hmm. they're going to take that couple thousand or whatever it is that you've now accrued an in interest and they're going to put it into your principal. And then the 5% interest they charge on your principal now includes that couple thousand you just accrued in that little interest during that one year. So now instead of, you know, 200,000, you have, let's say 200,000 plus 2000. So in loans that you're going to pay 5% on. So it just compounds. It adds on. It just delays your ability to pay. It just makes everything worse. So like I said, my first year out, I really struggled because of September 11th. And Mm -hmm. I just made that payment. I made it happen. It was a big mess, but I did it. So, you know, just do what you got to do. And sometimes if you're in a bad situation, you need to find other jobs, other ways to make money. Mm-hmm. I was working part-time, but I couldn't find full-time employment. And then what I did was I tutored for the SATs. Oh, wow. And so that was great because it's all nights and weekends. They don't want to see you during the day. They're in school. Yeah. So I had a day job. I had a night job, you know, and then, you know, I think I was doing something else as well. But yeah, I was trying to just make any little bit of money anywhere I could so that I can make sure to make those payments. So that's my big tip is don't defer your loans unless okay. absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing they recommend is uh, income-driven repayment plans. Mm-hmm. So if you're not making a lot, especially like if you're a nonprofit, then you can pay less in the beginning and it balloons later. And I highly recommend you avoid that. If you're interested in that, especially if you're doing nonprofit, you really need to talk to some financial people about that because here's what happens. Again, five, 10 years after you graduate, you're having kids. They need braces. Hmm. You don't know if they're going to be special needs and have a lot of medical bills. You know, you or your husband could get sick or your spouse or whatever, you know, whichever side you're on of that equation, wherever you are that, they might get sick and they can't work and you go down to one income and you're expecting your income to go up as a family so you can pay that higher payment and now you need it to go down because you're on one income. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many different things. Maybe a parent gets sick and you decide to leave the state that you're authorized to practice in to go take care of your parent. Mm -hmm. So if you have to take a sabbatical, what are you going to do? So it's easier to pay, you know, a set number than a ballooning amount. So don't bank on the future. Uh, Again, no one could predict September 11th. No one could predict a pandemic. Mm -hmm. You really don't know where you're going to be. If at all possible, just do the standardized payments. 
And yet the exception for nonprofits is a, and governmental workers is a lot of times after 10 years, they mm-hmm. will get the rest paid off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why they recommend that. But there are a lot of rules. Only certain loans get paid off. There's, um, you know, you do have to make a certain number of payments. There's just so many rules. So make sure you're in compliance. And again, it makes me nervous because who knows that you can commit for 10 years? Mm-hmm. You're assuming all factors are equal. And again, if you have to leave the state, if you, whatever, you know, it's, you just can't predict the future. So that was part of my concern when I actually was looking into working in a nonprofit after graduation was right. w- when push came to shove, I was a little too nervous, Right. you know, it's just, it's very scary to take a job at, I'm not kidding. Some of them $45,000 a year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you're $200,000 in debt and you're promising me at some point you're going to pay it back, Right. you know? Right. So I just, I mean, if I can't even get the best rate on a staffer loan, apparently a private lender can get me better rates, then how can I trust the government at all? Right. <laughs> so I don't really want them to pay back my loans in 10 years. I want them to pay the first 10 years and I'll pay the second 10 years. All right. You do it. Yeah. So I don't know. Obviously the program's been in effect for many, many years and many, many people have done it. And if everything goes according to plan, it's not a problem, but right. just, I would talk to a financial advisor about that financial coach and work out the numbers. And I would talk to your school counselor and I would talk to nonprofit or governmental workers and just see what their experience has been. And if they know anyone who has had to drop out of the program and what the repercussions were. Mm -hmm. So that way you know it all. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love that. I feel, I feel like um, it would be so great to speak at um, our school. I, you know what? I've been doing the Zoom. So if you guys want me at your school, I'm more than happy to. We will definitely keep in touch for that because exactly. I think a lot of people would really, really benefit from not only your like actual applied sage advice, but you have the personality to go with it. So I think um, <laughs> it's good because then it's less intimidating for people who find finances just super daunting. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, there's so many negative statistics that we come across, but I think we dismiss, you know, oh, lawyers have a high depression rate and okay, yes, they're drowning in debt. And so it's such a negative topic that you just say, no, it's not going to be me. I'm going to be fine. And you dismiss it. Mm. And then you assume that that conversation has to be negative and it doesn't have to be negative. It can be positive. It can be about how are we going to overcome? How are we going to avoid it? Let's make a plan. You know, that famous saying, what is it? Failing to plan is planning to fail. Uh, you know, I mean, just if you think it out and you think it out thoroughly, not just, oh yeah, I kind of thought about it. I meditated on it for a minute, mm-hmm. you know, but actually how am I going to avoid that depression rate? How am I going to avoid, I can't even say the word, avoid that debt. But, you know, I think a lot of people will avoid the depression rate if they avoid the debt. Mm -hmm. So they really go hand in hand. The high addiction rates, all of that I think is tied into, they have too much in loans. They feel stuck in their career. They can't make any changes Mm -hmm. because they have to pay those loans. Mm -hmm. So if we get them out of that scenario, Right. The depression and the addiction should go way down. Right. Makes makes sense. It's directly yeah. correlated. So the next question that I have for you or we have is of like budgeting. Like um, you mentioned before, you know, don't ask me how much my pizza costs in comparison to my <laughs> student loans. But how yeah. do you um, go about or what are the most successful ways that you've found budgeting or have you found it helpful? Yes. I am one of these. I'm horrible. I'm on and off the budget wagon all the time. And it's just, I get so busy, right? So then I just Mm -hmm. fall off and then I get back on. And what I find, it takes longer than if you sit down and do the math yourself. But just because I am so busy, I find the easiest way for me to budget is I belong to mint.com. And you input all your bank account information, all that kind of stuff, any bills, your student loans, and it'll tell you how much you're spending. And so after a month of monitoring, then you know how much you're spending. And then you kind of reverse engineer the budget of, wait, I'm spending that much on food. Okay. You know what? I can cut that down. Like I can probably cut that in half, honestly, you know? And so the first time I ever did that, that was what happened to me was like, wait a minute. Whoa. Like I had no clue that we were spending that much on food. And so then we just kind of watched a little bit more what we bought in the store and, you know, a little bit what we bought out and it made a big difference just in that budget alone. 
Okay. So some of these things, it's easier to do almost backwards. If if you don't feel like you have a good grasp going forward, just putting all your expenses down, let Mint do the majority of the work for you and just, you know, say, okay, I spent, you know, 500 bucks on that last month. Let's try and aim for 300 this month. And then you can always adjust it down to 200 or whatever. But it's... I find it easier that way. And then Mint will tell you, you're going over, you're getting close. And so it's really great because they also, like, I have a little account. I don't do much with it, uh, like a bank account. And it'll Mm -hmm. say the budget's getting low in here. And so it's like, cool. All right. It's all in one place. All the notifications. Okay. Let me just put a few more, a couple hundred bucks in there to make sure everything's covered in there. But yeah. So I like, I like Mint for budgeting. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, um, I, I feel like this topic can be spread out and just wanted to kind of get like, you know, a basis. And, and like I said, it's just so important to see someone like yourself who has gone through it and has done it. And it's such an inspiration. And, um, yeah, just you've made a career out of it too. Yeah. So that's yeah. Awesome. yeah. So, um, we'd like to wrap up our, um, topic with a fun question because you know like you said money isn't the most sexiest of topics so right um our our funny question that we'd like to ask you is what would you like to do once outside is officially open we ask all our guests this but just yeah. kind of want to get y'all thinking about life after covid <laughs> it was so hard to imagine like touching people right? it's like be, i look at pictures of me in a crowd and i'm like oh my god we were all touching <laughs> like yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the masks. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, yes. So yeah, but I actually, you know, one of the things I miss the most, I used to play soccer every week and I was on a competitive mm. recreational league. And, you yeah. know, it's so great for just both the body and the mind, you know, just to take out all my aggression on someone, you know, just <laughs> bash into them. So, yeah. yeah, it's, I miss it so much. I mean, just every week I see, you know, the girls on my team. And so we're mm-hmm. very close. And then, yeah, you know, I, like I said, take out my aggression on the other team and <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and so, yeah, I miss both. You know, I'm never going to physically exert myself that much when I'm jogging around the block, you know, it's right. just, it, it's right, not right. life or death that I get the ball first. So, um, <laughs> so I miss that f- physical level of exertion. And then I miss yeah. that camaraderie and right. that mind yeah. release and because yeah, yeah, I am <laughs> mindless for an hour every week when I play that game. So yeah. very, mm-hmm. you know, it's my meditation kind of thing. So yeah, so I'm really looking forward to someday being able to hang out with other people on the soccer field. Awesome. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, last question, um, also fun. What is your go-to guilty snack? Since, you know, we've been home and eating it and COVID. What are you doing I now? <laughs> I know. Okay, so so I have always been a hot chocolate addict. Like, mm, just ooh. love my hot chocolate. I can drink it whenever. It doesn't matter if it's 100 <laughs> degrees. Good. Yes, I still remember. I did summer abroad in England, and I remember getting this one hot chocolate in Bath. And I am, like, still dreaming of this hot chocolate in Bath. <laughs> that could be a, a one thing to do once the outside's open, too. Go to London, drink yes. hot chocolate. <laughs> yes, I'm like... I've, I've told my daughters, I'm like, we are going there. <laughs> so, well, yes. Thank you so much, Jolene, for joining us. And like I said, um, this is uh, one of many topics that can be spread out. And I just thank you for giving us that firsthand experience. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for, um, you know, answering my call and, you know, yeah. just so daunting, especially as law students. We, like you said, we have kind of like the pieces, but sometimes we just need to see someone who put it all together. Yeah. Absolutely. I am always happy to help. Thank you. you. Thanks. You too. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye. All right, y'all. So, just a quick recap on this major topic of finances and financing law school. The reason why we broke this episode or this topic into two episodes is because, as you can clearly see, there's just so much to learn and so much out there that, you know, not everyone has the time to sift through. And so that's why we enlisted the help of our two experts. And if you do recall, part one, we enlisted the help of 
a financial counselor in Leandra Ross, who's superb and a wealth of resources. Be sure to check out her website or check out her episode if you have it. There's plenty of resources on those on the show notes. And then with this recent episode, we actually see how it can be done through an attorney herself and Jolene. And right. so it's just a wonderful opportunity to give you all different perspectives on how to manage your finances. It's not one perfect way. Like you said, there's more ways to skin a cat, even though I don't know why somebody wants to skin a cat, but there's more <laughs> ways. To <laughs> things, right. Right. So, right. Yeah. Just, um, be on the lookout. This is obviously not going to be the last time we talk about finances, but we just wanted to give y'all right. a, a good foundation on what you can do and can like continue to reach out. So if you want to get hit us with that conclusion, KJ. Yeah, of course. So one of the biggest takeaways that we had with uh, this episode is debt might be inevitable. However, it does not have to be indefinite. And mm-hmm. so what we can do with that is utilize creative ways to finance our education. You really got to get creative. So one way is course selection, you know, meet with your advisor and figure out what courses are necessary for you to graduate with. And from there, you can map out a plan which will dictate your tuition and reimbursement plan. Um, Two, uh, manage your time efficiently. There's lots of scholarships out there. And as Jolene said, stay away from the ones that have a lengthy list of application items that can be extremely time consuming and maybe not worth your time in the long run. So maybe look for things that are less explored by the masses. And three, enroll in financial courses that are free, um, just like the one that Jolene uh, teaches. You can get very, very specific advice from attorneys like her who have already been through the system and succeeded, and they've made businesses out of being an expert in this field, right? So good takeaways from this. And um, Anna, what is next up on Too Legit? Yeah, so we will be discussing the subject of detours to law school. And um, mm-hmm. you've heard us, we've had plenty of detours and this mm-hmm. is a very promising episode. We actually have another guest coming by. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, it's definitely, it's a must listen to episode. Um, yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. And don't forget to follow us um, and keep engaged on all of our platforms. And until next time, legal people, thank you so much and stay safe. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye.